Well, good morning, everyone. It is great to see you. Uh, the lights were well-timed there because I can see you now. And uh, we are going to talk about getting back to the, to the basics um, this morning. And uh, next week is Leave Your Seat Sunday. And then we are moving in the fall uh, in, in a restart direction. Because that's kind of where we are in church. It's where we are in life. And just kind of forecast, God is a God of new beginnings. Amen. He just is. I mean, he's not the God of second chances. Well, I guess he is, but he's actually the God of like 777th chances. And I'm really grateful for that. Uh, God is the God of new beginnings. That's why he gives us new years, new months, uh, and new dawns. And he says that the path of the righteous is like the, the first glimmer of dawn shining ever brighter to the fullness of day. So day by day, we are renewed as we trust in him, as we choose to follow him. And we, we move forward into the future that God is creating for us. So uh, again, want to welcome you. Thank you guys for those of you who are online with us today. want to challenge you to engage uh, online and to interact and let us know that you're here. Thank you guys for being here. Um, and we're just at a kind of a, a weird place in terms of this, this whole COVID kind of second wave and everything else. So here's kind of where I am in terms of actual like attendance and, and the invites that, uh, that you see on the... Uh, the chairs, if somebody is out and about going to the grocery store, going to restaurants, going other places, uh, then there's no reason for you not to be going to worship. There just isn't. And, uh, and so we're going to be calling the folks who are, are out and about back uh, to be out and about and all in for Jesus. And we're, gonna, we're just going to watch what God does in the days to come. And I'm excited um, about, about beginning again. I'm excited about what God has in store for us next. One of the things that I do when I don't know what to do is I go back to the basics. When I don't know, uh, you know, all the complications of, of how to navigate next, I go back to last. When I can't hear God's voice in the moment, I feel, I go back to what I know he said last, and I do that, and I, it always leads me to hear him again in a new way. And the very beginning of my whole life with Jesus was directed by these two words in Matthew 4.19, follow me. These two words wrecked my life, because up until that time, I had been following me. And there's a big difference between that. <laughs> in fact, it's a natural way that we live in this world is we do follow us and we do listen to us and we do use others to satisfy us and we're frustrated with, with them when they don't do our will. Uh, they don't serve us. They don't, uh, you know, meet our needs. And, and this man, Jesus, uh, wrecked my life and really messed with my agenda and completely changed the trajectory of my life as I began to to ponder, is he who he says he is? And first of all, who is he? These words of Jesus were found again in Matthew 4.19, and they are at the beginning as Jesus is first calling his disciples. And a disciple is a student, a follower, or a learner. That's what a disciple is. Somebody who sits at the feet of Jesus. And, and back in Jesus' day, the rabbis would gather people around them to be with them and to learn from them and, uh, and that's, that's, what, that's what it meant to be a disciple. It meant that you were around the rabbi. You sought him out. You sat at his feet. You listened to what he said. You learned his life and lifestyle, and then you began to live it. 
And so when Jesus began to do this, it wasn't completely out of, you know, character or context for the culture. People were familiar with this kind of things, but that's where the familiarity stopped and everything else revolutionary began because nobody had ever heard anybody say anything like what this man Jesus said. He teaches us with one as authority. We've never heard anybody who believes so passionately what they're saying. We've never heard anybody who crossed the lines of, of acceptance like Jesus did. We've never heard anybody who taught in ways that were so heart deep and so beyond legalism and law. And Jesus began to mess with the religious people and they didn't like it. And he began to mess with my life and I didn't like it. And I heard Jesus calling me as a rebellious, young, confused teenager, follow me. And I knew that I had a choice to make. Was I going to follow me? Or was I going to follow him for the rest of my life? Now, I want to break this down into two parts. First of all, following me. Again, this is a very basic message. Um, I'm a very basic guy and hope you'll follow me along, basically. Okay? <laughs> Follow me. Let's start with the second part first, me. Who is Jesus? Who is he to you? What is he to you? You know, if right now Jesus isn't anything to you, um, I want to just say, you know, in one sense that's okay, and I applaud you for being here and, and being open and at least considering. That's where we all are at some point. You know, we all are at a beginning of, of you know, a, a journey and, and it's that first step that, that kind of sets all the rest. So good on you for, for being here and considering it. But, but at a certain point, the question becomes, who will I let Jesus be to me? Who is he? In, in the, the beginning, as Moses and, and um, Abraham and all of the, our our forefathers in the faith began to, to discover who God was. God revealed himself to a, to a, a you know, a goat herder, a, a shepherd, and, and said, I am. And even the name of God, yod heh the, the four tetragrammaton, they call it, the four letters of, of God's name, it just is the verb to be, I am. And we hear in those words in Jesus over and over again, his echoes of the beginning. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the light of the world. I am the bread of life. And so, as we follow the, you know, the, the, the me part of this two-word statement, here's the deal this me part, the Jesus part of this has to get bigger and bigger in your life. Be more disruptive. To be, to be the, the, the wrecker of your agendas and your plans and your thoughts and your prejudices and your, your brokenness and even your own ideas about yourself. Jesus has to wreck everything in your broken life to heal it, to make it whole. In fact, in order to live, we've got to die. And we all have a decision to make about how big Jesus is going to be to us. And, and when you let Jesus be who he really is, he is ever increasingly large. He is a takeover God. He does not coexist peacefully in the basement of your life. If you let Jesus in the door of your life, he will, at your invitation, take over everything. And you will 
in your wisdom, see the rightness of it all. You will welcome him into it. You will ask him to take over because you begin to realize the difference between who you are and who he is. Who is Jesus to you? And who will you let him be to you? He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the creator of all things, the, the scripture says. John chapter 1, uh, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things were made through him. Without him, nothing that exists uh, was, was made. Jesus is God's fullest expression of, of his being to us in humanity. Jesus is love with skin on. Jesus is the fullness of the Trinity in flesh. And he didn't come to be a sideline in your life. He didn't come to, to be somebody that you could put on a shelf. I watched a, a couple of minutes of a show yesterday about one of the uh, original drug dealers in uh, Miami uh, during the 80s when cocaine and crack were making their, their way into our, our, our culture. And as a teenager, one of the biggest concerns in his life was whether he would go to heaven. It's a good concern. And he heard somebody in authority say that, well, if you repent before you die, you'll be okay. And so he made this decision. I will do what I want to do in my life, and then before I die, I will repent and I'll go to heaven. We have to be very careful when we use the words I'm about to use next. Um, but they are the words of a fool. When you and I think we can play God and, and fool God and manipulate God, um, we are being foolish. For it is true with repentance, we can have forgiveness and new life, but, but when you run into the I am, you run into this me that is Jesus and he wrecks your life. You bend the knee and bow before him and he begins a whole life takeover and Jesus becomes bigger as, as John the Baptist said, he must increase and I must decrease. It's the natural order of meeting the son of God, the savior of the world. So who is Jesus to you and who will you let him be? Because he is the, the reason you breathe. He is the one who's causing every electron around every, uh, you know, molecule and every, and every atom to, to exist. He is the source of all energy, all life. He is, he is the, the alpha and the omega. Again, the beginner and the end, the author and perfecter. He's the, the, the writer of this life story. That's who he is. And you and I need to step back as, as we join the first disciples in, in John chapter 4. The scripture says, as he was walking along the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and his brother called Andrew. And they were casting a net into the sea since they were fishermen. Makes sense. <laughs> Jesus finds people where they are and he leads them to eternal places. Follow me, he told them, and I will make you into fishers of men. I'll lead you to fish for people. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. Their whole life, all their plans, everything that all their relatives were thinking about them, it all just got thrown out the window. And now Jesus was their center of life. Follow me. Who is this me to you? Is your me bigger than his me? 
Are you more about the me in the mirror or the me who is the, the author of life? I'm telling you, when you and I allow Jesus to break us and we stop following ourselves and we choose to follow him, everything begins to change. And it never stops. I, I want to tell you, if any of you all are disappointed in the idea of heaven that like, like you're going to lose the, some of the stuff that you had on earth, don't be, okay? <laughs> it is going to be forevermore. It's going to be forever up. It's going to be forever alive, forever joy, forever growth, forever work. I do believe we'll have meaningful work in heaven. We'll be forever fully alive. And all because of him. This me that walked along the shores of Galilee in a broken world calling ordinary people to do extraordinary things. Will you let Jesus be bigger than your life, bigger than your problems, your pain, your ego, your sin, your shame. Through the years, I've met a number of people who would not let go of their shame in life, something they had done in the past, a bad decision that impacted other people, a family that they had wrongly left, a child that they brought into the world in a, in a, in a, in a broken way, and they would not let Jesus be the forgiver. They would not let Jesus be the, the creator of, of a new life. And, and all of their life, their shame was bigger than, than God. No, that is hell. Jesus, this, this son of God, this savior of the world, this conqueror of death on the third day is asking to be invited into your life to be bigger than anything and everything in your life. No sorrow, no pain, no hurt, nothing is bigger than the joy and the life of Jesus to those of us who choose to encounter him. So I just want to ask, do you know him? Have you ever met him? Have you ever been confronted by him with his love? Have you ever heard his invitation and his call? Because that is what you have on your life. Going on from there, verse 21 says, he saw two other brothers, the James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John, and they were in the boats with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them, and immediately they followed him. There has to be something in you that yields, that wants to be with Jesus, that wants to be around this son of God, Savior, that wants to be around this rabbi who, who believes that he has the answers for life, who is the source of life. There has to be something in you that wants this. So the me part of this equation is all good and all taken care of, but the follow part is, 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 is just really the key. Follow me, Jesus said. You can't stay where you are and be where God wants you to be. You are called to be an activist in your faith. You can't sit and just claim you're saved. It doesn't work like that. Follow me. They left their nets and followed him. They left the family business. They left their financial security. I got to say, in one sense, this was irresponsible. Some of these men were married. They had kids at home. They needed to bring home, you know, an income. Jesus says, I got it. Trust me. But how? Follow me. But, but when? Now. But where is this leading? 
me? Because you see, when you begin following Jesus, he is going to lead you into the love of God. He's going to lead you into the life of God. He's going to lead you into all joy and all peace. He's going to lead you to, to, the, to the purpose of your creation. You have the call of God on your life. You are called to follow Jesus. And everything else shrinks into nothingness in light of that. You may not know anything about life. You may have great uncertainty about health, about finances. Your kids may not be where you want them to be. Uh, your parents may not be where you want them to be. You may have turmoil going on at work. You may have in your relationship, you don't think your spouse is meeting your needs right now. And on and on and on it goes endlessly. And if that's the you know, the, what you're going to follow, then again, this will just grow bigger and bigger and bigger and it will mushroom into just a, a dark brokenness over your life. <clears throat> or you can follow Jesus. But if you're going to follow, you're going to have to make a choice and you're going to have to act and you're going to have to do something. I hear some people say, well, I'm a Christian. Okay, what does that mean? Does it mean you're born in America? Right? I'm, a, I'm American. I'm, I'm, I'm a Christian. The term Christian isn't used a whole lot in the, in the New Testament. It's used, but <clears throat> not a lot. We're called people of the way. We're called Christ followers. In fact, when the term Christian was first used, it was a derogative term. The I-A-N in English is a dimin diminutive uh, you know, ending. Um, and, and, and so it was, it was an insult at the time. Your little Christ's. Well, it's an insult. That's a great compliment. You know? What it meant was you look like Jesus. You act like Jesus. You love like Jesus. You're, you're believing in God like Jesus. When people say, I'm a Christian, what does that mean? That, that's typically some static type of a, you know, um, you know sort of a, a, a legal transaction where I, I, I signed my, my legal papers or, you know, in my got my inheritance and I don't have to, it's sitting in a safe somewhere, I don't know, but it's a static do-nothing type of thing. Follow me is, is activist. It's moment by moment. It's day by day. It's not you calling the shots. It's not you being in charge. You don't need to be in charge of your life. You don't know, need to know how the future is going to work out. You know why? Because here's Jesus saying, I got this. I'm already there. Every future that you and I are afraid of, if you'll go there in your little mind, create the little story, right? It's a big story in my mind. Every future you're afraid of, if you'll go there and look around, you'll see no Jesus there. Well, that future doesn't exist for the, the, the follower of Christ because he's already there. And when some fear comes to terrorize you and then, you know, you play out that scenario, but then there's Jesus sitting in the easy chair in the corner saying, I got this. Oh, <laughs> it's okay, isn't it? You're afraid of, of that moment in the hospital when you're saying goodbye to your loved one and, and, and then there's Jesus standing by the bed saying, oh, I'm here, <laughs> I got this. And glory is ahead. The me part is all taken care of because God is who he said he is. He's been faithful to every promise he's ever made. He is God in the 21st century. He is the Lord of all today. 
And you and I do not have to live in fear. We don't have to live in anxiety. We don't have to live in division of our culture. We live in the presence of God himself in the person of Jesus Christ. And we choose day by day to to walk in step with him and answer our call. And I want to call you today as we move forward and we restart the work of the church in the 21st century. As we finish 2021 and start 2022, we have a big job to do. We are about, best I can tell, uh, about a little above national average of where people are in church right now. We are, we are about 62% down from where we were the Sunday before COVID hit. The Sunday before COVID hit. And then the next Sunday, of course, the next Sunday, I guess we were zero. <laughs> but we're 62% down. And that's, that's about where between 30 and 40% of, of people have come back. Okay. All right. We're not going back, people. We're going forward. I even hesitate to use the term rebuild because re implies going back. And we're not going back. We're going forward. So we're going to restart. We're going to start with the basics that there is a Savior worth following who loves well. And we're going to answer our call to follow him moment by moment, thought by thought. Even the scripture says, take every thought captive. So here's the deal. We die so that he can live in us. If anyone would come after me, Jesus said, he must deny himself. And that is hard work. Take up your cross daily and follow me. Life in the footsteps of Jesus. Life where we learn not to trust our own thinking. Don't trust your thoughts. Think them, but don't trust them. Don't trust your feelings. Feel them and face them with courage, but don't follow them. You have a beautiful Savior. Who, who loved and healed and taught truth that this world has never heard, who lived selflessly. Almost every other religious leader in the world has had uh, you know, a way of using followers for themselves, not Jesus. He died for us. You have a beautiful, amazing, capable, present today in this moment, in your life, in your trouble, in your kids, in your finances, in everything that discourages you. There is a Savior who saves to the uttermost and all you have to do is choose to believe and allow him to be bigger in your life. That me bigger than this me. And choose to follow. Get out of this passive Sit on the sidelines, do nothing. I'm an American Christian mode and get your behind in the footsteps of Jesus. Moment by moment, day by day. You know, it's just a great thing to follow him into the love of God. I'm learning how to do this, um, you know, I don't know, some 45 years after this whole journey began for me. And so I just, in the most basic way, in this COVID restart, want to you to hear those words, the call of God on your life, follow me. I want, let's say it together, ready? Follow me. And here's what I want you to do today. I want you to follow Jesus' love into the lives of others. Because on the resurrection, 
page that we celebrate at the end of the book of Matthew. This short chapter starts in the beginning with, with the resurrection of Jesus, something that has never happened before in all of human history. It's not even something that a lot of other religions claim. Nobody dares make a claim this big, this bold, this good, that, that, that a human being actually came back to life who, who is actually divine. And on this same page, here are our marching orders into the unknowns of all of the future. Here's the words Jesus left his disciples with. He didn't give them a road map. He didn't give them a lot of how's this going to happen. He didn't give them a lot of, you know what? When, when you're with somebody, you don't need to tell them 20,000 things about the future because you're with them. They know. <laughs> if, I'm, if I'm, you know, leaving Marsha, you know, and, I, and I'll never see her again, I'm going to sit down and have a long conversation about but if I'm going to be with her, like, in the next three minutes, I'm not having that conversation. The Lord your God is with you. And so, in Matthew 28, our marching orders for, for, the, for the future. To, a, to a, a God who said to, to his disciples, you know, do you not look around in John 4, 35, and, and you farmers look on the fields and say, you know what, it's four more months and then the harvest is coming in. It's pretty predictable. Lift up your eyes, I say to you, Jesus said, and look on the fields for their white to harvest. God has amazing things for the future ahead of us. There are amazing possibilities, and, and, and here's how we find them in the God who's with us. The disciples travel to Galilee, Matthew 28, 16 through 20. To the mountain where Jesus had directed them, he always gives sufficient information. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Proskuneo, this word means they fell on their faces. They were down. They were in awe. But even as some are down on their faces, they're looking up and said, could this really be? <laughs> Can I really trust him? Am I really Okay. Guys, in the modern church and in every church and in every small group and in every community, there will always be, you know, some who are fearful and, 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 and some who are in every church doing the chicken little routine. The sky is falling. Amen. No, my creator has all the stars named. He is fully in control of all things and everything at all times. He's the master of 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 all things, he is bringing all things to fulfillment in Jesus Christ. The scripture says he's bringing all things together in Christ. He's got this. We can be confident as we march forward and move forward. And here's the deal. We don't have to do this worrying about ourselves because, because Jesus has taken care of us. We can follow him without having to, to uh, address all of our own self-created concerns and, and issues and, and ideas and worries and fears and objections and angers and unforgiveness. We, we've given all that to Jesus. Now we're free just to follow. And, and here's what Jesus said. <clears throat> then Jesus came near to them and said, and I, <clears throat> I, I do need to emphasize that came near part because your God's near you today. Your Savior's near you today. The Spirit of God is near you today. There are angels near you today. 
You just have to believe. And he said to them, I want to address your confidence issue. I want to address your your joy. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. (laughs) All authority. Authority over everything that exists past, present, and future. No circumstance, no situation, no problem, no pain, no fear. Nothing is outside the scope and control, the vision and the the, the loving value of, of God the Father in Christ the Son through the power of the Holy Spirit. God's got this. I, I never thought I would be spending um, this, this next chapter of my life, um, you know, in a, in a church reality that, that automatically took a 62% hit. I, I didn't see that one coming. They didn't mention this in seminary. Just didn't mention it anywhere. You know what? Palms up. What's in my hands? Nothing. They're not full of anything, so now God can fill them. And that's where we are. But we're not there without power. We're not there without a plan. We're not there without a calling on our life. We're not there without a a commission, a co-mission. Put a hyphen between that. There's a mission. (laughs) That is the love of God on earth. And we have been invited into it. So in his authority, in his confidence, in, in his faith, Jesus said, go, therefore, and make disciples. We follow him into the lives of others. We've been drawn by his love, and now we are drawn to others in love. His grace is sufficient for us and his love is enough for us so that we overflow and are able to be a people who point to Jesus as the answer. I do not have the answers. You do not have all the answers. It is not about your opinions and your thoughts. It is about God's thoughts and his opinions as revealed in Holy Scripture. And so we move towards the lives of others. Because our life is in the hands of our creator. Our lives are, are, are okay. We are okay. Sounds silly, but I want you to say it anyway. I am okay. Because <laughs> God's got me. We're with Jesus. And he is near. And his love has saved us and forgiven us. It has secured released us from our past, it has provided for our presence, it has secured our future, and in that abundance and freedom, we are, we are free to now follow his love into the lives of others. The, the word go in Greek is a participle, it's an I-N-G word, going as you're living your life. Uh, make disciples of, of all nations. This is not boundary lines of, uh, that we put on a map. It, at that time, those things were much less clear than they are now. This is, the the word is ethnos, it's people groups. In other words, you don't make distinctions among people anymore. Again, there is no them. If you create a category of them, then, and and now you have an us, then them is always less than us. That's just the way it works. And I guarantee you, God does not, in his creation, does not have a category of them and us. It's just us. 
in sinful brokenness, we have created all kinds of categories of them and us, uh, in, in racism, um, even we, you know, this is not a political statement. I, I love the United States of America, not like I love my God, because I'm not supposed to. And I'm grateful to be in this country. I have traveled all over the world, and I know what we have here. But guys, we're not better than other people in this world. We are not more loved by God one ounce than somebody from Honduras or Afghanistan or Mexico. And it's only human arrogance and pride that would need to elevate itself above the love of God in that way. So you go and you cross all ethnos, all all you know racial and and people group boundaries and you make disciples and then you live in such a compelling way that you invite them to the, the tell them my story invite them to the starting line lead them to be baptized to make a new beginning be bold be confident share the truth in love and and clarity tell them how to know me tell them about my love for them Help them see their brokenness and their, their distance from me. Tell them that I have come into the world to be the way, the truth, and the life. Invite them to believe in me and tell them that if they will call on my name, that they will be saved and have everlasting life. It's a free gift. We don't earn this. <laughs> this isn't about church attendance or your good deeds outweighing your bad deeds. This is about the grace of God and our faith in being willing to follow it. So you go, and you lead, and you move out of your own self-concern, and you follow my love into the lives of other people, and you lead them to me. And when you've led them to me, the scripture says, I want you to teach them to observe everything I've commanded you. All this in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, just in the fullness of who God is, walk with them. Lovingly, patiently. People aren't projects, they're just people. <laughs> Who are you discipling in your life? Well, Pastor Drew, I don't know enough. That's a lie. Do you know Jesus? Then you know eternity, you know infinite. Can, can you read? And I don't say that facetiously, there are some people who can't. I don't care if you can't read, you got no excuse because there's audible Bibles. And they're really good. <laughs> Who are you discipling? Who are you, who's on your top five list in 2021 that we, we ask you? Who are you praying for regularly to be, to be saved? Because I guarantee you, um, you know, I guarantee you that, that you may be the only person praying for somebody's eternal salvation and that matters. And then Jesus said, Remember this. He said a couple of things about memory. Gave us the Lord's Supper to remind us of who he was and what he'd done. Remember, I'm with you always to the end of the age. As the worship team comes out and, and, and joins me, I just want to ask you right now. First of all, and this is obviously rhetorical, how are you doing in covid And secondly, beyond all the, the losses and changes of this, just how are you doing at this stage in your life? 
Maybe you're nowhere where you wanted to be and, and maybe you're really discouraged and maybe you're hopeless and maybe, maybe you hate yourself. Maybe you don't even want to be here. Maybe, maybe you're full of yourself. Where, where are you right now in, in, your, in your life? Can I just invite you to sanity from all the crazy places that we take ourselves? There's these two beautiful words that change everything. It requires you to deny yourself and to bend the knee. But man, when you take Jesus seriously and you start following him with all of your heart, you're not just a Christian that does nothing and I don't even know what that term means really anymore. Are you a Christ follower? I mean, are you following hard on the heels at home? I mean, like moment by moment is like Jesus growing bigger and bigger in your life and because and I'm just telling you, Jesus leads you to amazing places. And the first place he leads you is to the arms of your heavenly father who wraps you up and loves you whole. And all it takes is faith to respond. We got a challenge ahead of us, folks. We really, really do. And I gotta say, I'm, uh, I've grieved my grief and I've, I've saddened my sadness and uh, I'm done. It's time to move on to the will of God. So for those of you who've not ever become an activist in your faith, who are not living your faith, who have never made this all about Jesus, I'm gonna ask you today to call on the name of Jesus and you will be saved. The scripture says this, everyone who calls on the name of Jesus will be saved. Pastor Drew, how do I do that? Jesus, I call on your name. I'm not gonna follow me anymore. I commit the rest of my life on earth to follow you. That's how you do it. Some of you who are already believers in Jesus, you need to get back to these two words. And you need to be about making disciples. And I'm going to ask you again, who are you praying for to be saved? Who's your top five? And who are you discipling? Who are you helping them to, to learn and understand and follow all the things that Jesus said? Better get on it. Time is short. You got no excuse. I'm not this, I'm not that. Jesus, I don't want to hear any more excuses. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are the creations of God. You have the Holy Spirit of God dwelling inside of you. Hell quakes at the power of God inside of you. Get on with it. Get on with it. It's time to faith this journey. Amen? Let's respond.